Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and today I'm talking to LJ from Blogsprout. And she emailed me uh, just a week ago or so, and she has some great results to share with us. So she has a blog that's about five months old. It's generally all informational content. She is getting about 40,000 page views per month as of May, and she's earning in May about $675, and it sounds like it's a pretty good growth trajectory. Very interesting um, approach, and we're going to dig into all the details, keyword research, hear the traffic stats, what it's like to get started, and LJ, how's it going today? It's going great. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Um, I listen to you a lot, so <laughs> it's really great to be on the other side um, cool. to have some info to share. All right. Well, I'm glad that you're here too. I'm glad you emailed me. I mentioned a lot of the results um, right off the bat. So um, we're going to start hearing about your background, hear about your story, getting started with niche sites and all that stuff. And then, like I said, we'll dig into the details. So you, uh, we, we said your name, you could keep it um, anonymous with LJ. I think that's cool. Um, can you tell us about your background, your profession? What do you do um, as a full-time gig? Yeah, so this is not my full-time gig, and I don't really anticipate necessarily becoming one, um, more as a supplemental, you know, income stream and and kind of side gig. So my day job, I'm an engineer by training. Um, okay. Yeah. So. What kind of engineer? Chemical. 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 Engineer. Nice. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of engineers in the audience overall, so I always ask, and I'm a computer engineer, so. I'm always a little interested. Do you actually do chemical engineering work or and feel free to punt it if you don't want to mention it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, the role is, is, um, around chemical engineering, but it's not, you know, plant and oil and, and gas type engineering. It's more in pharmaceuticals. Got it. Okay. So you're an engineer, you do that. Um, you have a little nerdy streak apparently cause you started investigating, uh, niche websites and stuff. And you're also wearing what looks to be a Yoda t-shirt. And then there's like yes, an Iron Man. Though. Okay. So you're, you're showcasing all these uh, nerdy characteristics and you got into websites too, which is uh, kind of a nerdy thing to do. So how did you first get started with niche sites? Yeah. So, um, I actually kind of started which weird journey and, and day trading. Um, and, what ended up happening is I was getting really involved in day trading, um, learning about the markets, which I, I still have interest in and I'm dabbling in. But there were a lot of podcasts on people that do day trading. And then, you know, I came across like just general side hustle shows. So then I just kind of explored some of the other, um, you know, the other episodes that weren't on day trading. And I started hearing about some blogging and then got into niche sites and then just somehow after hearing a couple of podcast episodes, took that to YouTube. And then after seeing, you know, some of the success people had the general strategies and um, that time and effort it took, I really thought it might be a good fit. You know, I found out day trading wasn't a good fit for me because I just, the risk is it's, I don't have the right mentality to kind of go in every day um, and know that, there may be days I just lose a lot of money and that, like, that doesn't sit well with me. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of what took me 
um, took me from there. And yeah, one of the big uh, content creators, I guess I found, of course, was like Income School since they had a, a ton of content and just the informational content that they, you know, promote kind of, it really resonated with me. Um, so it wasn't until, yeah, around like June of last year that I really started like thinking about creating a website for myself. So from the time that you knew that niche sites were a thing to that June time period where you were like, maybe I'll create one. How much time was that? Not much. Like weeks or Not something? Not much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Probably less than a month. And how long were you dabbling with the day trading and stock things? That had been like six solid months of just listening, reading, oh, wow. doing everything I could. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That sounds super stressful. And there's, I know there's a lot of um, YouTube channels on that too, which seems like one of the most scammy things that you could do YouTube channels on. I actually know someone personally who ends up like he ended up creating a bunch of videos on like options and day trading kind of things. And he doesn't even like to do it. He just started ranking for those and then pumped out a ton of videos. Like I said, kind of the most scammy thing in the world. Is that what you run across to, or ran across as well? I think that's, that's what's difficult. Part of the difficulty in it is that there's a lot of people out there that, you know, claim to do so well. And, and I mean, you do see it in some niche sites too, where people are coming out and claiming, you know, they made $50,000 a month, which isn't unreasonable, but sometimes you don't know like the background of, you know, they've put in a hundred thousand dollars or something. And I think that's similar with, with trading is people will go off like a single trade and be like, Oh, this is this one trade earned me this much and project yeah. that. But their strategy they have isn't really going to make them any money in the, in the long run. Um, so it takes some time to find the people that like are actually succeeding because strategies out there, you can create as many strategies as you want when it comes to, comes to trading, but having one that consistently will, have a positive return is, is really challenging. Yeah. And like I said, the person doesn't even believe what he's doing. He's just, he's really good at YouTube is what it turns out. (laughs) So anyway, back on track. So very quickly you shifted to niche sites. You were following some people and is the site that we're talking about today, the one that's earning 675 in May, is that the first site that you created or did you do a couple others? So I, after June, after like three or so months, I did focus or I did start another site. It was in YMYL. It was personal finance because that was something I you know, thoroughly enjoy and something I'm quite knowledgeable about, especially like my age that I'm in that transition period where, you know, you're, you're a little bit out of college and thinking about your future. So I'm already learning a lot. So I figured I would write about it. Um, and it was, it didn't go well, um, just because it was really competitive. And, um, I, I just, yeah, after, you know, posting the articles and waiting a few months, I know a lot of people will say to, to give it that extra time, but after learning more about the environment and just the competition, I, I didn't really think I had the right approach to, um, to like a niche site. Um, so what kind of really I learned in, you know, those six months from June 
uh, till December, the beginning of this year, was how to set up the site. You know, once I decided on my second one, I already had my theme ready. I already had the hosting. I already had domains. I already knew how to improve site speed. Like I was learning a lot about the technical side of things. And I kind of was able to focus more on the content side at the beginning of um, the beginning of this year. And yeah, though it's that site is still quote active. I don't think there's any traffic going to it. Um, it really, you know, I couldn't learn more than actually doing it myself. And the technical side takes a lot of time. And it's something that sometimes we we forget about. You know, it took me a solid six months to just understand WordPress and understand, like, with all the site speed stuff going on, I had to look into minimizing plugins. And I don't know any code. You know, I'm not a, um, a coder at all. And I don't plan to, but it's good to know what they are, how they work, and, and okay. work around that. So that was that was a lot of the content I had. Got it. And so you started the f- the first site and you worked on it from like June to December-ish. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. Um, any So you picked a, a personal finance area, your money or your life by definition. And any big lessons mistakes that you made along the way aside from like just picking something competitive that maybe would take a little bit more time than other areas yeah aside from that is um i think you know i think ariel phoenix talks about this a lot the shiny object syndrome where you just um you know you, you try to do everything um under the sun and that was something i did you know i was getting into pinterest i um I didn't quite get into YouTube, but I was working on email lists. I was, you know, it, it's all good things to know about, but not necessarily good to take action on early on. I did have some good quality content, but if I didn't kind of get so lost in everything else I felt like I should be doing like 10 years down the line, then I think it might have been a little more successful. So I was able to focus down on, you know, some some content. I really think that's for my my opinion and experience. It's the first thing. Um kind of need to get down before you can expand. Perfect. And I think it's great how quickly we can learn about stuff from YouTube or podcast. I use that for inspiration like a whole lot in the early days and it sounds like you did too. But the problem is you have you have like every single option presented in front of you and there's basically at this point like more podcast episodes and more YouTube videos than you could possibly consume. So basically you're always behind. Like you'll never be able to do all this stuff. So it's really hard not to do it. I mean, I've I've had to like carve out things and just say I'm not going to do this anymore because I'm too I'm too lazy. Like when it comes down to it, I'm like I just don't want to do it anymore. But in the beginning, it's like there's too many things and it it is overwhelming. I wanted to give a big thanks to the sponsor of this show, Ezoic. And we'll give a shout out to the product Leap. And that helps your website load faster and have a you know better user experience for your visitors. And you get green and core web vitals. And there's a lot of things in there that'll help you optimize your site. And uh, I think there's some caching involved, uh, a lot of buzzwords, some things I, I don't know as much about. I can go down the rabbit hole pretty deep, but Leap makes it easy. So, you can check that out. It's one of the many products that you have available when you use Ezoic. 
cool thing with Ezoic is there's no page view minimums. So even if you just started your site, you could start working with them and utilize and use and take advantage of some of those tools. So thanks a lot to Ezoic. And let's get back to the interview. Fast forward, you're realizing the personal finance site is probably not going to work out. You're like, eh, maybe not. How did you choose the next niche that you got into? So um, I actually kind of just stumbled across it. I was just looking at niche site ideas and found, you know, a couple of master lists, looked into it, looked into it and um, kind of just found one that I said, oh, I'm kind of interested in. My brother knows a lot about it. So I figured he could be a good resource if I need him. Um, and yeah, after just doing some initial competition research, it didn't seem like there were a ton of successful um, blogs out there that, that kind of covered this topic. And of course, my initial thought on the, the niche has already pivoted. Um, what I thought the site was going to be about isn't what it is about at the moment. Okay, got it. And can you talk about some of the early like keyword research? So it sounds like you, you were referencing like, just like a list of different topic areas and you were like, these sound interesting. Where'd you take it next as far as keyword research goes? Yeah, so um, with just like that initial list of niches, I was just, you know, just doing some preliminary searching and and just seeing kind of what came up and what the competition was, if there were any major authority sites that I had known about um, that were covering any of those. But I also had purchased Ubersuggest um, at actually with my, my previous site. And that's been a big tool that I use. You know, it's again, it's just a tool. It's not a end all be all. Um, I don't take everything it says as, you know, scripture, I guess, but um, that was definitely a good starting point to kind of explore the areas that I uh, could talk about. I did select a domain that could cover a variety of topics, um, which allowed me to, to pivot already. Um, and I started with, you know, about three main categories and targeted at least 10, um, 10 main keywords in each of those those three categories. And kind of since then, I've only focused pretty much on one of those categories. And I'm just really diving into it because there's a lot of traffic and a ton of keywords that I can can go after in there. So I, I start off with, um, you know, with Uber suggests it tells me the volume, gives me some idea of the competition. And I, I look at the domain authority more or less on the, the first page. I haven't really found any keywords that really have any um, forums or anything on that yet because those are a little bit low volume than I've been been targeting lately. But I do want to try some of them and see if they bring in more traffic than I than I expect. Okay, cool. And so you aim for three main categories, 10 articles in each category. One got traction, so you're just really focusing on that one. Great. Mm -hmm. And you use Uber Suggest, which I've only used like the free version on a couple of demos, like a couple of times. There's obviously a lot of tools. How did you decide on Uber Suggest uh, initially? So um, initially, I was looking for a tool that I could have a you know lifetime, one-time cost because um, you know everyone knows uh, Semrush, Semrush, and Ahrefs. 
but those plans are just too expensive. I was trying to keep my costs down as much as possible at the beginning. So Uber suggests had a plan for like $300 up front with a 30 day period um, to like return period. And I went through that return process and they were like, don't leave. We'll offer you a limited version for a hundred. And I couldn't turn that down. I was like, this is the, the most I'm going to get, you know, a lifetime supply of pretty, you know, I have a hundred limit of a hundred searches every day or something, which for me is more than enough. Um, and yeah, that's, that's kind of how it landed me there. And cool. I haven't really found any, anyone to be necessarily that much better than the other, but it's one I have available now and it's been working. <laughs> so cool. Awesome. And then you mentioned pivoting. So can you talk about that decision and other signs that people can look for if they're like, ah, maybe I should pivot. I don't know if this is working, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. So from my experience, again, that's all I can speak to. Um, I, something I noticed early on is that I was gaining quite a bit of traffic from other search engines early on. And that made me believe that there, um, people were in need of this content. So I, I talk about this a little on my channel and I'm going to continue to, but you know, Bing is much easier to get indexed than, um, you know, Google. And I've also, I think it might be something in my niche too, but DuckDuckGo is like at the beginning was bringing in over half of my traffic. And so I was just using those initial signs within the first like two months that, okay, if I'm getting traffic from, you know, of those three categories and one of those from those two search engines, that's giving me a good sign that there might also be a need like with Google when it decides to start ranking my content. So I really use the, the information, you know, from a Zoic's platform that was telling me where I was getting the traffic and, and I kind of pivoted from there pretty early on. Okay. Got it. And sticking with the sort of content idea. Are you writing the content? Are you outsourcing it? Talk about the process there. Yeah. So I'm currently creating all my own content. Um, it is very data driven. So I did hire someone to, to do some data um, extrapolation for me or extraction, not extrapolation. Um, and that's the only expense I've had of anybody else doing any work for me. Otherwise it's, it's all me. <laughs> okay. And then do you use like certain templates? It sounds like it's an informational site, right? We mentioned that. Okay. So pretty much all informational topics. What kind of templates or can you talk about like the sort of details of publishing a post, uh, subheadings, any other rich formatting you may be using? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, you may or may not have come across an interview by a guy named um, Michael Donovan. He's been on a couple of the other, um, you know, podcasts kind of in this niche. And it seems like what he's doing is very similar to what I'm doing. And I actually just finished watching um, the Niche Website Builders podcast with him on it. And they were calling it like brand swapping. So uh, both him and I seem to be finding success in having a, a lot of our articles just copy pasted. Um in the sense that, yes, there is over 80% of the content is like identical from each other. But what I'm, you know, the information I'm still providing is still unique to the query that they're looking for. There just happens to be a lot of content that 
is applicable. And it seems that at least both him and I, Google really likes that because you're tailoring, you're providing good content. You know, that base article you have has everything it needs in it, but then you're, so for example, I, I made an example somewhere down here. Um, like say you're in a coffee, like a coffee niche and you do like how to clean a Keurig K classic. I don't really know much about Keurigs, but I did some research before. And then it's like how to clean a Keurig K express, you know, and it just is kind of taking, um, you know, different models or different products and kind of just switching out that the, the main, you know, target of the article, but the general concept and content is going to be the same. So there's a lot of articles where I, you know, copy paste, change over that data that I was kind of talking, alluding to earlier and um, just tailor it more specifically to that head query. Okay. And another, hopefully this is not your niche. I don't know what it is, but another, another one, you tell me if I have it right, it could be like for iPhone. So it's like how to replace the screen on an iPhone. And it's like the same for all the iPhones that there are, but there's a bunch of different models. Is that the same idea? Okay. Exactly. And there's a lot of people with iPhones and they have all the different types of iPhones. So it's a large audience that you're able to um, kind of tackle through that strategy. Got it. And then you take it one step further. It's just a phone with a screen that's like an iPhone. So it could be like any other brand. Is that where the brand swapping um, label comes from? Okay. Exactly. Got it. Okay. The very, very good. Any other details with that? I mean, um, it sounds like there's no issue with having the duplicate content. So do you literally copy and paste it or is it like a dynamically created post in any way? I pretty much literally copy paste it. And then yeah, about 20 or so percent of it gets switched over. Like I said, it's very data driven. So there's some tables that like I replace in there and that's really the bulk of what people are looking for. Um, so Google sees that as being unique and um, I think that's what, that's what helps it. Um, but one thing like I am starting to pick up on is they're not all exactly copy paste. I have changed some of like the H2s and, and other um, headings in there. And one thing that I do want to mention that I've noticed on my Google search console is that I'm getting a lot of pages that are showing up in um, search results that are specifically like an H2 heading. So, you know, they have that hashtag and then the, the actual query in it for H2, H3. I do go down to H4 sometimes. Um, and I, I think it's important to see if one, if Google's telling you that, because it may mean that that content needs its own, um, its own, you know, article. But what it also tells you is to think about each of those headings as potentially a new query that someone might be looking for in that, that head of a query. So I like to think about Think about it that way. You know, if you're how to clean curious, it's like how to clean cured with a, you know, with vinegar, if that's an option or with cleaning solution, like different things that might be more specific, but still fall under that broad. Okay. Do you keep track? My engineering brain is turning on here. So do you keep track of where certain pieces of content are? Because let's say there's a change. Now it needs to be updated in eight places. Wouldn't it be nice to have it 
in one place and then you just change it there so it's modular and then you can reuse it in multiple places, but you don't have to manage the version control across the board. Have you thought of that? Are you managing it in any way? So that's a good point. Um, something I haven't really thought about since a lot of it is duplicate. However, you know, there's a lot of adjustments like minor adjustments that do go in. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's definitely a few sections that are untouched. Uh, and I easily could make those reusable blocks and instead I've had to go through and manually change them all. Yeah. Um, so that's been pretty time intensive. So that's a really good idea that I should think about. Um, but as for the, like the data tables, I use WP, I think just called table builder and that allows you to use the short code. So at least I can go change it in there if I use that across multiple, um, multiple places. Cool. Yeah. One, well, not that you, I wasn't criticizing you, but it's just like, Oh, that's one thing to think about. And you don't know until you've done it and you're like, Oh, now there's maintenance and it would be easier to have it set up like this, which brings us to another point. How many articles are on the site currently? How many posts? Yeah. So to date there's 142 articles. Okay. And how many are like the original? Cause you're like, ah, it's mostly like duplicate content. So if you had to estimate, like, is it like 38 original articles and the rest is just sort of piecemeal of those? I'd say it's probably about a third. Okay. Yeah, a third of articles. Interesting. And then how long is the content? Um, most of them are in the 1,000 word range. Um, okay. You know, I have a couple more long form that you more traditionally think, like, and the, the blog posts, you know, a lot of words and um, explanations and those, you know, tend to be longer, but they're not, not performing as well. They seem to be performing more um, typical <laughs> kind of what you'd see in each site. So it'd be interesting to see if I see those like grow in the next few months. And then where did you get the idea to approach the content in this way? Did you see, I forget the person's name. Did you hear about him or did you run across it and see it out in the wild? Or you're just like, let's try this. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it, it came from Uber, Uber suggests where, um, you know, they have like a related tab too. So you put the main keyword in, it shows you things that are related and it's, and it basically did some of the replacing for me. And, um, rather than just sticking to the ones that were low competition, I, um, I also expanded to like fully cover the topic. You know, if Uber suggests had said that the K express and the, I don't remember what ones I said, I should have chosen each. I actually understand <laughs> K classic. You can just make stuff up. I don't, I don't know. Either. I could, I know, but it's hard not to use the Nisha and just cause that's what goes to my brain first. Um, so like rather than that, I'd look at all the other different types of cures and that way, like Google sees me as the, authority for all the different types, how to clean all the different types of curates. So it's a mix of going after the low competition, but also covering it in full. And yeah, just finding out that there were a few of those, you know, swapped keywords that were low competition and high volume. I kind of just rolled with it and said, I'm just going to keep doing the rest. Maybe those will rank, maybe they won't. But I think having those extra support articles, um, you know, helped drive the traffic up early. Got it. And you mentioned competition a couple of times in there and I want to backtrack. I forgot to go deeper on your competition analysis. 
how did you approach it? Did you just have a look at a handful of the keywords that you were thinking and you realized that there were some websites, but not too many, and maybe you could do a good job covering it? Yeah, it was a mix of a few different things. I noticed that there were some of the same um, same sites that were showing up for similar queries and their content was pretty light and both their authority on, you know, the Uber suggests, they also have, you know, like the, the Moz bar and a couple other plugins and they all were showing on the lower side. Um, but especially seeing that the amount of content and the quality and thoroughness was not great with the query. I knew that I could provide something that is way more complete than, than what was being shown there. Did you see any competitors that are doing a good job and you thought, I want to be where they're at in a couple years or something? There's one competitor. There's really one competitor right now, like in my space that has targeted many of the same keywords were sort of in different niches. They just kind of overlap. Um, but I personally believe that my content is better um, because it's more easily scannable by Google. They use a lot of images and actually convert like those Im images into readable content that Google can then spit out in the form of a table or a list or something like that. Um, so I think in time I'm going to surpass you know, that competitor and again, that competitor is just like an, like an individual, uh, not like a company, but I have found that like the manufacturers of the, the things I talk about, they're sometimes ranking, but, um, they're like a, a subdivision, um, rather than like the parent parent domain. So they don't individually have like a ton of authority themselves. Okay. Interesting. It's, do you think there's space to like partner with those companies and, you know, earn directly from them or just have like a, a positive relationship where maybe you get some backlinks and maybe they get some traffic from you or something? Probably. And that is something that I want to look into. Um, I think more the route that would be more successful is like sponsorships and like set advertisement plans, like direct advertisements through them. Um simply because like what, you know, kind of what I'm talking about isn't something someone's going to necessarily go online to buy. Um, okay. Got it. So direct advertising and you're using Ezoic, correct? I am. Yep. Okay. So I'll just, we'll, we'll throw, we'll make this an ad. Okay. So we're, we're doing this live. I didn't clear it with you before. So Ezoic Sounds like it's working out well for you. Are you using Ezoic Premium by chance? Not yet. I haven't been invited yet. So okay, should be coming up probably pretty soon, right? I think so. I'm still quote level one. After this month, I'll be able to go to level two. But okay, um, and I bet uh, to be fair, I don't know all the the rules and criteria and stuff. But I'm pretty sure I'll talk to you after we finish recording. But I think with uh, your earnings and in page views, you probably should be just fine. So I'll, we'll make sure you're in touch with the right person, I think, and then they'll be able to yeah. hook you up. Um, because I think then, of course, you have to pay for the premium um, access, and then you're able to show more uh, kind of lucrative ads. And I think you'll you'll probably earn a significant amount where you're you're like, oh, it's a no brainer to do this. So right. Right. Okay. Yeah, fortunately, like the niche I'm in has pretty good um, 
you know, EPMBs according to Zoic. So I think they're going to be a pretty good partner for this niche specifically. And that's why I think it is doing so well um, without being in the premium. Okay. Yep. And I was going to say a case study that I'm doing has kind of lower uh, the site and niche overall has lower EPMVs and you're earning, you know, pretty close to the same with about 15 to 20% less traffic. So yeah, it looks like it's pretty decent. Do you happen to remember the range of EPMV? If, if that is uh, something I, that I call? On my, um, uh, like case study income reports, my goal has been trying to hit like 15. <laughs> and with my Amazon earnings, I, I do get over 15, but just on, on ads, I'm like 14.92 or something, you know, I'm just, just under that 15. But, you know, there are a couple of pages, you know, the ones that get a lot of traffic. Um, I was actually just looking into that today. One of them gets around like 19 and then on, um, maybe enough like of, of the major pages bringing in traffic. The other one's probably around 12 or something. Um, okay. so it's in that range. Now, is that something you'll be able to use to figure out what content you want to publish? So you're like, this one's earning, you know, 60% more. I'm going to publish more articles like this. I'm trying to, um, and I think it's helped me, prioritize. You know, I kind of created my content structure almost for the rest of the year already um, based kind of on those results and what I'm going to focus on each month. Um, but it might be a little too early to tell, especially like with the Zoic, you know, like take time to um, review their placeholders. I just added a bunch of new placeholders and I'm already seeing that the sites that get more traffic are having a higher EPMVs. So I think it's one of those as they continue to get traffic, Zoic will have done its thing and will um, we'll be able to kind of increase those earnings. So it's a little too early to tell, but I am using it to some extent. Got it. So you're earning about 20% of your revenue from Amazon, yet it sounds like you have pretty much 100% informational content. How do you promote your affiliate links and any lessons learned along the way? Yeah, so the affiliate links is very specific to what someone is looking for. Um, so it's something, you know, say in the how to clean a Keurig. <laughs> I need to come up with a better one. I, this is bad. Um, how to clean a Keurig. Um, there might be like Keurig cleaners, um, yeah, like different types of Keurig cleaners. And that's something where you can have a list of the different types of Keurig cleaners. It's not really like a best of. It's not really like it's still informational, but you're able to um, inform the reader about the options that are available and link to the um, link to, uh, link on Amazon. And that's basically what I do They're They're looking for something and I'm like, oh, this is what you need. And here you go. Um so it's it's understanding that it's like I haven't been hit or I think I'm still ranking fairly well because it's not affiliate content. It really is informational. It's focusing on giving the reader exactly what they want. But if they happen to come to the page, I already have what they need listed there. So it's very, very natural. And they're just in, you know, like 
in my theme, it's called an offer box. It's just a picture, little description, and that button that says check price on Amazon. Perfect. And it makes sense. I mean, you're helping the person solve the problem. They need the, uh, whatever the product is to do it. So you may as well recommend it right there. Maybe they don't have it already. So, okay. And when you're looking at keywords, are you thinking about those affiliate opportunities or you're just finding keywords and as you're writing the content, you're like, oh, it makes sense to recommend a product here? Um, it's more the first, okay. knowing that the query, it lends itself to finding a product that they will need for that query. Um, okay. I do, I have tried to do that in some of my other informational articles, but you know, on the tracking, I found they just don't really convert as well. I've tried with some like custom ads, but nothing's the same as knowing exactly what they're coming for and giving them a link to exactly what they need. Um, because sometimes like, um, Amazon descriptions don't specify that this product is, you know, should be used for something. So like those aren't really showing up on Google queries. Um, you have to do a little bit of research to know that's the, the product they recommend. You know, Keurig probably has a, in their owner's manual, they probably have like a cleaning recommendation or cleaning solution that you have to make and say it's a 10% vinegar. Well, okay, you can say Keurig says he's 10% vinegar solution. Here's some vinegar. You know, it's right. like, it's, it's that kind of um, approach. And there's one person out there with a coffee cleaning site who's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Exactly. Every, everything's ruined now. Hopefully not. Sorry, person out there that just ran into that problem. But there's a lot of different coffee makers out there. So um, let's talk about link building a little bit. Is it okay with you if I do another live ad here? Go for it. This saves me in editing. So I don't have to go back later. So we're just going to have to roll with it. So niche website builders, uh, mentioned them before. They have a great podcast. You guys could check it out. Um, for one of the sites that I had, I did a shotgun skyscraper campaign with the team at Niche Website Builders, and they worked with me for, I think, about six months. I ended up with somewhere between like 90 and 100 links, and it was a brand new site. I started working with them like on like week one or so, and basically it took the site from a domain rating of zero to about like low 50s or so. So it was great, and now there's a lot of natural backlinks that show up, so... LJ, for you, have you done any link building on this site? I do no link building. Okay. Um, no active link building. I have been showing on my income reports the backlinks I'm getting. Most of them seem spam, like seem like spam, because when I you know look at uh, SEMrush, just the the free free version, it says I've got like two thousand something backlinks with two hundred different domains. And I'm like, I don't know where these are coming from. None of them seem high authority. They're there. I don't know if it's helping or hurting. Um, and I think you actually might have mentioned this in your live stream today uh, about, um, you know, whether or not you should do anything with those links, if you should disavow them or. Um, but I, th I think you're right in the sense that if it gets like crazy out of hand, I'll do something. Um, but I'm hoping that one of those links is good. <laughs> It's accidentally helping. Um, are there any links where you're like, oh, that looks like a legit link, not some spammy website? Well, I don't have the premium versions of 
those, so I okay. can't really look into them that much. And Uber Suggest doesn't have a, a great job where everything's like delayed. So I haven't been able to look into it yet. You know, you could look at the backlinks on the search console, right? I did not know that. So there's a little section buried down there in the menu, something about links. You can look at your internal links and you can look at your external links, pull the CSV, have a look at them. If you wanted, you could have someone go over to, uh, you could hire someone on like Fiverr or something to, um, you know, pull a report from HREFs if you want to also. So you can get the uh, other relevant data um, from a, uh, SEO metrics standpoint. So you can see like all these are really low DR, for example. But anyway. Um, hmm. I see a, it now. That's, okay. See, like these only say there's 44. Oh, wait, these are extent top linking Ex- sites. Is that what I'm looking for? I think so. Key? That sounds right. I can't remember. Well, that's interesting. No, I haven't looked into it. But I we can look at, it, look at it later. Yeah. And you can, you'll probably see, you know, it's worth it to go have a look and you're like, oh, this site's terrible. Like there may be a few good ones in there. It sounds like you're doing uh, original data and you have tables and it sounds like there's not a ton of that out there. So maybe people are linking to your site. That would make sense. So with that said, um, you haven't been doing any active backlinking. Like what's your approach? Some people are like, I won't do any backlinking. I'm not even going to promote my site. Where, Where do you stand with it? Do you have a strong opinion on it? I don't have a strong opinion on it. I would argue that they're not critical to find success considering that's where I'm at right now. Um, I think having quality content and hopefully linkable content, which might be helping um, is, is beneficial. I do think down the line uh, I'd like to invest more in backlinking because I just think it's an extra form of security and um, Google's and people's eyes, you know, just having a, a solid resource being sent back. But I haven't really thought about how I want to approach that yet. I would like to just have some really good linkable data that can can be cited because I think those just come naturally if you have the right data that people are looking for. Um, and I haven't quite found that yet. But Okay. And I know... It sounds like you have seen a couple interviews with Christy, maybe? Yep. Okay. So she did a lot of, really, it was just networking for like the first years. I mean, she continues to do networking, but she did like a pretty heavy amount in the first year. And those have led to a lot of backlinks in the long run. Mm -hmm. She didn't network to get the backlinks, but it's just a byproduct of having the relationships. So I think that, I think that really does help. And to your point of security, I think having the relationships like can help out and you get the real backlinks that other people probably can't get. So is that an approach where you're like, ah, maybe if I had more time, obviously you're busy, but if you had more time, would you be open to that kind of approach? Yeah. So it's definitely time consuming. Um, and it can be resource heavy and financially yeah, and, and time. I think when it comes to, um, like forming relationships one, I'm not really sure who I can form relationships with right now. Um, and then two, I also am, it's a very male dominated niche that I'm in. So I don't, I don't feel like I'll be taken as seriously if I do, um, 
you do try to network, um, you know, as a woman. So that's something that I'm navigating um, right now. I was going to say you could just get your brother to do it. <laughs> that's true. I probably could. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, cool. With um, indexing, people are always asking, like, how do I get my stuff indexed? Why does it take so long? What do I have to do? Your site's pretty young. Have you done any activities with indexing? So I'm actually putting up a whole series on indexing on my site right now. First one came out yesterday and another's coming out this week, but it's going through the whole process of what I did. I was able to get my site indexed in maybe like three weeks, um, which I know is pretty quick. Um, I saw my first site get indexed almost immediately. Like I did nothing and Google just really liked whatever I did. Part of that I think was because I like uploaded at least 15 at the beginning when I did this site, it was like, I wanted a solid month of one being posted a day. So by the time two weeks was up, it was just approaching that 15 pages of content. Um, but you know, other than the, the standard site maps and submitting it, I did actually end up using the rank math instant indexing and I only used it to jumpstart the process. So I know it's not supposed to be used for the type of content I'm being, that I'm writing about, but I did it for a couple of my important pages and I said, that's it. And I stepped back and let Google decide if it wanted to continue indexing the rest of my content. And it did, um, did decide it liked it. And then kind of haven't had any issues since it gets indexed right away. Um, okay. So you published like 15 articles or so in the first two weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah. And then you use the rank math. Uh, I don't, I don't know what the, the tool is called, but it's like an instant index situation. Yeah. yeah. You did that for a handful of articles. Do you remember how many exactly? No, it's probably in the range of five to eight. Okay. So you just did it for those couple five to eight pages and then you didn't do anything else. Right. Once I saw that in my search console, they had been, index i had the you know discovered not indexed and crawled not indexed and so I, I went through all the stages and came across this didn't know i wasn't supposed to use it um when i first did use yeah. it so that's kind of why i only did a few and then and took it back um because I, I don't want to see any penalty i don't know of anybody getting a penalty but um that that was the main main reason and since i do have a pretty good interlinking structure having those main pages index helped Google to kind of see how the content related to one another and if it was good enough and unique enough um, to make it into the search results. And it sounds like you published a little bit less than one article per day for this first five months. So you've just constantly just been publishing. Yep. Yep. I try to, my, my goal every month is 30 a month. There's been a couple where I've only had like 25 or so. Um, but the last two months I've gone over slightly. Um, but what I have noticed, which I don't know, I don't really know of many other people talking about this, but in the beginning, I have even found if I go like two or three days without putting up a post, I find out that like in between those few days, I, my, um, my like impressions and clicks are like slightly down. So I don't know, I, you know, I would say from my experience, if you plan to push out a lot of content rather than doing bulk, I think 
is better if you do like one every day, because I have seen a slight bump after I post an article. Cause I think Google just sees, okay, you're not just publishing content and leaving the site. Like you're actually active and you're trying to build the site. Um, so that's something I personally believe might be happening. And uh, yeah, it's been an interesting result. It's not huge differences. You know, it's maybe 5% and I don't have a ton of traffic that I can really make conclusions on it. But I do notice if I have a day where I like post two or three, I'll get a, a bit bump the next day, which could just be those articles already ranking, but doesn't look like that's the case from, you know, where they actually are when they first get indexed. Okay. And oh, shoot, there was something else I was going to ask about that. Oh, with the rank math instant index. So you, you outline what you did and it seems to have worked. You don't have much data though. So do you think the instant index really works or it just happened to be the scenario that took place? Well, it definitely your, uh, indexed. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, no. The, you got it. Go ahead. It definitely indexed the sites that I told it to index like right away. Um, and since I didn't do it on every single page, um, I, yeah, I can't, my sample size is relatively small, but the ones that I did say to index did show up like right away. Okay, cool. So from your, it worked, it worked for you when you used, okay, cool. And what kind of content is it supposed to be used for? It's supposed to be used for like job postings and like news articles. Timely stuff. Exactly. Have you noticed any traffic coming from Google Discover? So I feel like you may have asked this before and I was like, I should look into that. Um, and I have a total of 11 impressions from it <laughs> over Not the much. past. Okay. You know, Interesting. Uh, so the reason why I brought it up is I have an interview coming out uh, very soon. By the time this comes out, it will have already been published with Olga from SEO Sly. And she mentioned she gets a lot of traffic from uh, Google Discover when she was publishing regularly, which is exactly what you mentioned. So I was like, oh, I wonder if that's it. But it may not be like newsworthy kind of uh, content, it sounds like. I think that's ex exactly why like the, the search queries are just so specific that people know what they're looking for and they're, they're not going to just come across it. Like it, it's very driven by, I need this information. I need this number now give it to me. Um, okay. You mentioned a very specific internal linking structure. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So um, when it comes to this, like, this duplicate content, I essentially have like a hub page. So in the Keurig example, maybe I just have how to clean co like um, coffee makers. You know, that's like the main post. And then I'd have links to all the different types of Keurigs in there. So that seems to be working where Google sees this main page as being the primary, primary content, but then it gets more specifically linking out to those more individual individual queries. So yeah, that initial baseline kind of article is a hub that links out to all those brand swaps. Okay. And then do you have any other uh, uh, internal links aside from that hub? Yeah. So there's probably like two other internal links um, on average. 
in an article and they're just natural. Um, you know, it's like teaching you about this section. It's like, if you want to read more, this, this will go in more detail. It'll give you an example. Um, yeah. So, so stuff that's just natural. I don't think about it too much. I definitely have some orphan pages and I'm just letting those do their thing because it just doesn't feel natural um, to, to link them from anywhere else to anywhere else. Um, so I'm trying to be as, as genuine, I guess, in what I'm, what I'm producing rather than trying to make Google happy necessarily. And do you have like, uh, unlimited number of keywords here. This is something I've been talking about for informational kind of sites. So do you think you're going to run out of keywords on this one or how do you, how do you feel? Yeah. So as I had said before, I kind of picked a domain that I, I will never run out of keywords if I cover that entire topic. Um, but do I think there'll be a point in which my efforts may not match up to the results. Yes. You know, I do think there's going to be a point where just creating content is really just going to be for the sake of keeping the site active and up to date. I don't know where that point's going to be. Um, but I think, you know, there's just going to be a couple home runs and then the ones after that are going to bring some trickling, um, trickling impressions and clicks so I don't know when that's going to happen or I don't have a good metric. You know, my competitors, of course, from like what Uber suggests and what others say, you know, on the, the small kind of category that I said I'm focusing on now, it'll say competitors are like maxed out at like 100,000. But the major topic is definitely in the millions. So I guess I just have to decide at like when I do decide to kind of expand into a different category and do I have enough authority to kind of beat out um, these other other sites that are covering kind of the other topics that I can't compete in right now? Okay. Well, and on that note, what are your plans for like the next, say, 6, 12, 18 months for the site in general? Yeah, so I want to focus on, on this site. Um, it is fun to build up sites and I'd love to start a second one, but seeing the success I'm having, I think it would be irresponsible to, to put less resources into it. So I plan to put on more. Um, but like I said, I already have kind of like a content structure and that's just based on the idea that I have um, with the preliminary research. I have those, you know, those major topic pages and kind of already know the, the brand swaps that I'm going to use. So I have a focus for each month for the rest of the year and see if those get traction. Um, so I feel like by then I'll know whether or not this duplicate content strategies is going to work. Um, but I have to decide whether or not I want to dive deeper into the smaller category or branch out into a different category. And I think that's just going to come with time and seeing what's happening with my competitors. You know, there are some competitors that the traffic's already going down. And I'm like, well, mine's going up on the same topic. So maybe they're inactive on their site and I can now take their traffic, you know? So I think it'll depend kind of on what they're doing as well. Um, and how just the, the general market market shifts. Um, but I do plan to keep it. I don't plan to necessarily sell it unless it just becomes too big and I just can't manage it myself. I know it'd be very difficult for me to um, try to outsource anything other than content, even then be nervous to do content. 
that like I kind of want to keep it as much of a one man show as possible. So if just if I just can't do it, I would consider selling if you know I hope to buy a house in the next couple of years. Maybe that'll cover you know a big chunk. Uh, but in terms of actually building the site, yeah, I know what I'm going to do for the rest of the year and I'll probably reevaluate in like September, October of whether or not I should keep like cranking out this content or, you know, kind of what I'm building right now is almost like a database. And do I complete that database? Do I complete the database like 80% and then kind of pivot on to different kind of different kind of content? Um, yeah. I wish I had a better answer sure. for that. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, it sounds like you have you have a plan for the next several months and then you'll reevaluate when you're closer to the time. So that's what you should do, I guess. How has this website impacted your life so far? Yeah, so um, I have, I started the site, well, one, because I always kind of had that entrepreneurial bug. Um, that I always just wanted to, to start something and felt if I found the right thing, I could be successful in it. And I really just started to, to earn a little bit of extra income. Um, and that's how I want it to continue to be. So it's great seeing, you know, significant income right now. That's like that, that can cover. Not, well, cover just, just over, you know, half my rent and like just having that extra income on top of my job, which is, which is great. Um, it just kind of gives me a little bit extra freedom that I may not have had before. And it's, it's more like expendable income in, in my eyes because I, I base my necessities more on my regular life. And now this, this income has, um, you know, been able to be supplemental and it's just been, it feels good. <laughs> um, it feels good to like to find something that I think I'm doing pretty well at. And it's, it's encouraging to see results of your efforts being um, paid out directly. You know, it's very different than a job. Like I do really like my job and I have good benefits and work with great people, but I don't really feel as much of the reward um, as, and I don't even know what the right word is, but the, the pride, I guess, in my work as I do when I do this, just because it's, it's so dependent on me and the efforts I, I put in. There's nobody else that's going to stop me. There's nobody else getting in my way. It's, it's all on me. Um, and I've also just met some really great people and, um, it's just, it's really cool. Kind of this little community. And, you know, I didn't go to the affiliate gathering gathering, but like hearing everybody that went, they like, it just sounds like it's kind of a great community. So hoping that it'll, it'll build relationships that way too. Very cool. One thing I forgot to ask and related to all the effort that you're putting in about how many hours per week, if you had to estimate, are you, are you putting in? Uh, so at the beginning, it was a lot. That's the thing. When I think of how much I've earned and how much time I've put in, I could have made a lot more money actually doing a, another job somewhere. Um, now it's, you know, if I don't consider, I, I do a lot of listening, like when I'm at work. So if I don't consider like just the general learning process, I've been able, since I'm getting a lot better at the content structure and um, the research at this point, I'm probably spending probably 13 ish, maybe hours a week. Okay. Um, yeah. 10 to 13. 
you know, there are days like yesterday, for example, where I just sat down and cranked a bit out, um, bit of content out and then, you know, take days off as I need. Um, but I'm, I'm also one of those people that's just kind of always in it. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm always yeah. listening to podcasts. I'm always checking, watching the big data analytics, like real time, just like, Oh, 11 people are on right now. That's so exciting. <laughs> um, so like I have that on my phone as a tab, but, um, okay. So you, you're obsessed and you're like, you're, you're doing it all the time, but roughly 10 to 13 hours a week. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like early on, it was like any free moment you were like doing something, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a lot. (laughs) Cool. Well, we covered a lot of stuff here. Is there any other additional tips or any other advice that you want to give here? Just kind of broadly speaking. Um, we talked about a lot. Um, we definitely talked about a lot and yeah, I think one thing that's tough with niche selection, like, you know, one big advice from what I found is YMYL is very difficult. Um, but if you find like a sub niche, you might have more success. But one thing I do truly believe in is that you can find um, you can find ways to get traffic in almost any niche if you take the right approach or find the right keywords. Um, so, cause I know it's easy at the beginning to get stuck like in niche selection. I do think it's important, but I also think like, I just kind of jumped into this niche. Like I kind of talked it up how much I, I spent, um, looking into competition, but I really kind of saw the idea I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I just kind of, kind of dove into it. I did do a little bit. I did a little bit of research, but, um, I think it, it all comes down to, and this is what a lot of people say, but the keyword research really is important, but also not getting too caught up on keyword research, just knowing that some things are going to work, some things aren't going to work and use what your viewers and Google and these other search engines are telling you to, to pivot. Cause if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again for months, then, and you haven't really revisited any of the content or, um, you know, looked at any of the analytics on how people are navigating your site, I think you're missing out on opportunities. Um, and it's hard at the beginning to necessarily know if you should be pivoting or changing. Um, but take, take any information you can get and and at least just write it down and make a note of it because the, the data is not going to lie. Um, so I, yeah, I think try and, and try again <laughs> and find out what works. And eventually you'll, you'll find yourself in a spot that that's going to bring in traffic and bring you some success. Awesome. Well, you have a YouTube channel and it's called blog sprout. Can you tell us a little bit about it? What do you cover there? Yeah. So the channel's, um, relatively, relatively new. I mostly just started it to, um, keep myself accountable for monitoring my business. Um, I knew if I didn't have a method of reviewing, you know, my, you know, I, I just spoke about how important it is to understand what the data is telling you. I knew that I didn't um, 
put together some type of report for myself, I wouldn't hold myself accountable. So I um, created this channel so that I held myself accountable. So at least every month, I'm going to put up an income report. It's going to go through my statistics. It's going to compare my last month to this month. And it turned out really valuable. And I said, I know when I was starting out, and even now, I love watching income reports because it's just interesting to see how different people analyze what they're seeing and um, what that what that means for them. So a lot of my content right now is just those income reports of this specific site. But I'm starting to branch out with uh, like based on comments that that um, you know the viewers are making and where they're struggling. And just showing kind of what I've done. Um, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm relatively new. I haven't been doing this for 10 years, but um, I seem to have found something that works. So I'd love to share that, that knowledge and the experience with anybody else that's trying to start out and see where, um, see if they can get to where I am. Awesome. Well, this has been awesome, LJ. I'll link up in the description and show notes so people can check out your channel. And uh, thanks a lot. Looking forward to getting updates from you in the future. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks a lot to LJ. Always appreciate people taking the time out and telling their story. Certainly check out her YouTube channel. It's great. She's uh, you know sharing a lot of her journey. She's getting a ton of views for you know a sort of a young, smaller channel, and not that many videos. So it's kind of cool. I'm like, how do you how are you getting so many views on these few videos? So I need to go investigate that. But anyway, check out her channel. And we do have some cool episodes coming up. Before I tell you about those, if you have a success story, I would love to hear it. You can reach me at Doug. Well, you can reach me. I am Doug. The email address, though, is feedback at Doug.show. So you can give me a little bit of a lowdown on what you have going on. And one other thing that I should point out is you can leave voicemails for me to answer via the mailbag episodes. And we used to get a couple here and there, not too many. I think maybe I was mean to people when they would leave long messages. You know, they should just be a little more concise, but I can't blame them. And there's like a three minute uh, maximum on that voicemail line, but it should be listed in the show notes. I need to actually double check that. But for this episode, it definitely will. You can't always email me, but it is cool to get some of those voice uh, messages. And it was triggered actually by uh, Andy, who said, "Hey, you can use um, you know one of those apps that you could put on the website, and then people can leave a message." And I was like, "I've had a voicemail um, available the whole time, so it's out there. I just haven't talked about it in a long time. So you can leave me a voicemail. Sixty to ninety seconds is kind of the sweet spot." As you probably know, as a regular listener, I prefer not to edit things. And even if it's not perfect, I'd rather get out that piece of content. I'm lazy, number one. But for conversations, it makes the whole thing sound a little more authentic. Sometimes it pauses a little bit longer. Maybe there's a couple more filler words. Again, I am lazy more than anything else. But the point is, for a voicemail message, 60 to 90 seconds is perfect. And a lot of times I'll just get my phone out and then like click play 
and like hold it up to the microphone. Like that's how I was doing it back in the day. Sure. I can like take the, the file and, and drag it in and all that stuff. And sometimes I do, but other times I go old school and just hold my phone up to the microphone. It's a very, very shoddy setup, I guess, when you think about it. Anyway, if you have a story, let me know. However you want to do it, email is very good. The episodes we have coming up, one of them is um, <laughs> it's called SOPs, Process Flow, and Chilling the F Out, Lessons from Beer. And that is actually the next episode coming out, 370. And I tell my story and a little frustration I had while I was trying to brew some batches of beer. Don't worry, I make it somewhat applicable to websites and really just running any business. So that's why I tied in the SOPs. But it really was all around me brewing some beer a couple weeks back, which turned out good. I actually have it in the kegerator now. And a little sneak peek, I mean, I, I brewed a lot. I brewed 10 gallons in one batch and 10 gallons in another. So that's equivalent to four or five gallon batches of beer. And well, that's plenty. That's, that's quite a lot of beer. The other episode coming up is with Tony Mer Meritato. I hope I got his name right. I, I know I said it right when I talked to him. He's making about 110K per year using his qualifications and expertise from his day job. So pretty cool story. And it was great to connect with him. He has a very uh, like calm vibe and it was good, good chatting with him overall. And he has you know, great lessons. And hopefully you'll be able to draw something upon it, especially if you have some area of expertise. Like for me, one angle that I took when I started my blog niche site project was project management. So I did that. And by putting that in, it attracted a certain type of audience, which is other people that know about project management. Surely there's, you know, other folks, but the people that really connected, they're like, Hey, I'm a project manager too, or I'm a software developer and I work with project managers all the time and they're the worst. So that was like a little angle that I took and it was an area of expertise that I had from my day job and I applied it to exactly what I wanted to. So the thing that I was interested in, I applied project management to niche sites, which at the time very few people were doing. And I mean, I think currently people aren't specifically doing that. And if they are, they're probably not a PMP. So anyway, Tony tells us all about his approach and send me some questions for mailbag episodes. You could leave a voicemail. If you have a success story, tell me about it. Otherwise, we'll catch you on the next, next episode and have a great day.